Welcome to Made in China, ish, a podcast by Chinese adopted Asian American that discusses racial identity, experiences, insights, and advice. But don't worry if you're not an Asian American adoptee. I think you'll still find something to relate to here. There are a lot of things I wish I was told before I left my hometown and experienced the real world. Well, as real as your freshman year of college can get. All I wanted was to be understood and heard, and that's my goal here—to amplify adopted voices and let people like freshman year me know that you're not alone. So, what's up? My name's Grace Tomlinson, and I'm made in China-ish. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Made in China-ish, the podcast. My name is Grace. I'm your host. A little background about myself: I was born in Nanning, China, in the Guangxi Province. Adopted at a little over a year old. I currently reside in the Philadelphia area, and I'm also a junior at Penn State. I hope everyone's 2021s are treating them a lot better than 2020 may have. Speaking of Penn State, last week we had Joy Zin on, which was a great opportunity to compare. Our experiences as adoptees at Penn State. This week we have another adoptee at Penn State. So first we had Talia, who was my freshman year roommate. Then we had Joy, and we met through subtle Asian adoptee traits. And this week we have Leah O'Leary. So Leah and I actually know each other from a few different spots. Her friend、um, from her hometown or high school is actually my roommate. So shout out to Chloe, love you, girl.、Um, but also we have the same, or we had the same comm class in our fall semester. And if you took comm four ten, you know that that was a bonding experience. So this week we talk a little bit more about Leah and how she used her identity as an Asian American and sort of wove that into her studies at Penn State and her career aspirations. She's learning so many different languages. She's learning. Mandarin or Chinese, Japanese, and I think she wants to learn Korean as well. So, without further ado, I'm really excited for this one. This is Leah O'Leary. Hello, Leah. Thank you so much for joining me today.、Um, Leah and I actually met through Penn State. We had a comm class together. Thanks for having me, Grace. It's great to be here. That class was—it was a lot, but we made it through. <laughs> you can only do so much at ten in the morning. Exactly. So yeah, like I said, Leah and I—we both grew up in the Philly area. Leah was actually born in Wuhan, China, and now lives in Yardley, PA, which is also outside of Philly, just in a different area. So yeah, let's start about where you were born. Any good stories from your parents about your adoption process? Sure. So, like, like you said, I was born in Wuhan, China.、Um, we don't actually. I'm sure, like with many adopted children, we don't actually have that much info on where I was before and all of that. But allegedly, so apparently, or this is what my mom always told me. So I don't actually know how true any of it is. But she said, like, that they told her that they found me. I was left in a cabbage patch. So she would always call me like her cabbage patch kid, like you know those. Actual dolls and everything, so I always thought that was cute and special. And、um, they adopted me through Holt International, so that agency. And they met a lot of other families that were adopting girls at the same time. So they went all they went over together, got their children together. So those girls kind of became. We always called them my China sisters. So we're not actually related by any way, but we were all adopted at the same time, and we've kept in contact with those families for years. I still talk to the girls. 
now. Some of them I talk to more than others just because we're all, we live all over the country and we're all um, in different places in our lives, but we're all around the same age, either juniors or seniors in college now. And we try to meet every so often. We used to meet more religiously, like when we were younger, we would meet every year at least and go either to someone's hometown or not in China, but just like where they live in the States or go to a common location. Um, so like I said, I still try and keep in contact with them. We celebrate our, we call it our gotcha day. I know people have different names for it, but we call it our gotcha day. And we like, you know, we always text each other around that time or like send pictures like for memories and things like that. Um, and then fun stories. My mom did tell me, so my name, my name, like when I was adopted was Leah, like Leah, it's so it's the same pretty much. So they kept my name. And my last name was Lynn, which is my middle name now. But in the group that they were adopting children with, there was another girl in the group called Lynn Lee. And when my mom went up to actually receive me, she went up to the lady and was like, Leah and the lady, Leah Lynn. And the lady said, Lynn Lee. And like, it just got confused. And she actually picked up the wrong baby at first. Um, it, obviously, it was obviously sorted out, but like, it was, it's very funny. So I always laughed at that when she told me that. Um, otherwise though, I think, oh, I guess I was the only baby crying like profusely, but they figured out soon that it was because I was hungry, very hungry. And I was like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. That adds up. Yeah, it's relatable. (laughs) That's so funny. My sister had a similar story when we were adopting her, like a different mom came up to my sister and my mom's like, no, that's not, that's the wrong baby. So that's, that's so funny. Do you still talk to the other like Lindley? Yes, she lives in um, New Jersey. So actually she's probably the closest no, sorry, one lives in Pittsburgh. But anyway, her or the one in New Jersey, Lindley, um, live closest to me. So we talk every now and then. We get Christmas cards from them. I follow all of them that have an Instagram. We all follow each other so I can like see what they're up to. Yeah, that's awesome that you're able to keep in contact with all those people. Yeah, it's definitely like become much more loose over the years, but we definitely try and stay in touch every now and then. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your upbringing. You were born in Yardley, PA, outside of Philadelphia. Um, you went to the same high school as my roommate, Chloe. So that's really Yes, cool. yes. So funny enough, Chloe and I actually went all the way. We went to elementary school together. But I didn't actually start, like, really, because our school district is very, very big. So it's hard, like, you can go to elementary school with someone or be in their kindergarten class and then maybe not have a real relationship with them until high school. So... I didn't actually start talking to Chloe until middle school, maybe seventh or eighth grade. So that's pretty, that's as far as back as we go. Um, But yeah, so I was brought up in Yardley, Pennsylvania. I've lived in, so this is like, this is the third house that I've lived in. I moved a few times. Um, All of the houses though that I lived in with are all within pretty much like five minutes of each other. So it's not like I stayed within Yardley, Lower Makefield. So it wasn't like a huge move. But um, actually where I grew up, it was, I grew up on, in a neighborhood at the end of a cul-de-sac. So great place to like grow up and play with people. Um, But all the kids in my neighborhood actually went to Catholic school. So, and I still played with them. Like when I come home, they were two friends specifically that I would go ring their doorbell a lot and hang out with. But I, um, no one from my school school district, Pensbury, lived in my neighborhood. There were people close by, but I, I just didn't reach out to them I you know when you're little you have a small circle of friends but you're totally fine with that because you don't you don't know anything different um 
but yeah, and I grew up, I'm trying to think, Pensbury School District is definitely, or I like to describe it as a diverse school district, like there's tons of different people from different backgrounds, but and I'm sure we'll get into it later, I realized after being in college that it is diverse, but only to a certain extent. A lot of the kids there, or if they're like a lot of the kids that were Asian that were there were either adopted like me and kind of centralized around the kids that they around more of the like the white community so they didn't really there was no like self-discovery we were just like oh this is just where we are and it's fine and then of course there were some children who were from Asian families but it still wasn't as it was still I guess more sparse compared to in university but um I overall, like, I think I had a very well-rounded upbringing. I had great friends. My family was great. My family still is great. And I never felt like any tinge of like being lost or like wondering why I'm here or anything like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think growing up in a really big like school district, like I did as well, it, you get different perspectives on different ethnicities and different cultures. How did you, how did you surround yourself with people that made you feel like that you were secure in that kind of situation? I think just by the way my parents brought me up, I just kind of seeked those people, like people that were like them, kind like them, looked beyond, you know, of course, skin color or religion or gender or anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a thought when I was making friends. It was just like, hey, you like this, I like this, let's go, let's have a play date, let's go do this together, let's talk about this a little bit more. So I guess I just sought the things in people that I saw in the people already around me, like my family, and tried to continue surrounding myself with people similar to that. And it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult to find um, people with those common interests and common uh, characteristics. Yeah, and I guess retrospectively, do you feel like you wish that you did anything different growing up? You wish that you had a different perspective on adoption or identity, or did you feel like you you found a lot of that through the people that you surrounded yourself with? I'd say I found a lot of that about identity and adoption more in college, but I wouldn't I wouldn't like rush it sooner. I'm not I wouldn't have tried to figure out sooner in high school or in middle school because I don't think I was mature enough to think about concepts like that. And I think it would have been much, much harder to have an experience like that based on the people that were around me. And not saying that those people were bad around me. I just think it would have transpired. But what was already happening with my friends from like high school was what I needed at the time and it was fine. So I think everything that happened in college was perfect. I think the timing, the timing of everything was perfect. One thing though that I would change and this has this doesn't really have to do with adoption just in like elementary school specifically I wish I talked I wish I made more friends and I know I just said it was okay to have your small group of friends and I definitely did I had like one and my friends that went to Catholic school in my neighborhood and then one or two close friends in elementary school but I wish I just like reached out and talked to more people now but looking back, back then I was totally happy and satisfied so it wasn't that I was like I didn't think I was lacking back then. Yeah, did you find, did you get yourself involved in any like Asian culture clubs or things like that at school? What were some of the, the activities that you did? Honestly, um, there weren't any Asian culture clubs or like international clubs. I guess in high school there were some, but not not Asian ones specifically, but you didn't hear a lot about them. There was more just like special interest clubs. And I guess I was a part of a few of those. Um, in high school, I was in marching band. So that took up a lot of time. So I didn't really have time to be in a club, but I met a whole great community in marching band. So like that made up, I thought I, like that made up for 
not being in like a bunch of different clubs. And actually in Pensbury, it really was like either marching band or like theater, choir or sports. Those were like people's big activities. It wasn't really the clubs. They didn't really focus on those as much. Um, I think though, after I graduated, I saw just like I was on Instagram one day and I saw something for like Pens, Pensbury High School's like Asian Culture Club or Asian Community Club. So it was found, there was one founded after I left. And I was like, dang, like I would have liked to be a part of that. But then I was thinking like, maybe I'm only saying that now because I've experienced what I have in college. I don't know if I would have wanted to be a part of it in high school. Not like I wouldn't have disdain for it. I just don't know if I would have thought about joining it. That's all. But uh, yeah, there wasn't actually really anything. And I know that might sound like that might, I'm not trying to portray that as being negative or bad. It just wasn't the time. And again, like I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess transitioning now from the K through 12 Yardley Pensbury area to a big school like Penn State. I'm sure your high school is big, but Penn State is crazy. 40,000 people. So how'd you find your niche and how'd you figure out your identity and what were some of the struggles that you might have gone through? Okay, so this I'll try and keep a long story short because I think about new things every day that I'm like, oh yeah, this was because of this. Or like I figure out new connections every day of how I got here. But I guess because it's always, it's always been because I have an interest in like Asian culture, pop culture, or more traditional culture. Even from high school, I noticed it. I didn't have it as much in elementary or middle school, but I saw it grow more, a little bit more in high school. And then over the summer before college and in college, it expanded much more. So in terms of different, like in terms of culture specifically, I got into um, different Asian trends, such as like different, like focusing more on skincare or beauty. Not that I really do, like I, I do skincare, but not that I do like all the different beauty stuff in my daily life but it's just like I watched different youtubers on youtube that um were asian I watched more like cultural studies on asia and more things about the learned more things about the culture I got into uh pop culture wise I got into k-pop over the summer actually I was into k-pop over um in high school but like a casual listener and then it really it blew up more in the summer. So I got into that and then all things within like different things within Korean culture. And then I also back from honestly back from middle school until now, I got into I was always into Japanese culture. It was so funny. My parents would always be like, you like all these other things. But what about Chinese? And I'd be like, I don't dislike Chinese. I just haven't like found a niche there that I like really wanted to look into so it wasn't that I was neglecting anything Chinese it's just the other things came to me first but um yeah with Japanese culture I I love the Studio Ghibli movies so I would always watch those and then that expanded into other different Japanese animation movies and then I'd watch some I had some friends that liked anime and we'd watch some together so I was into all of those different pop culture sects so I think when I went to college, I was looking for more people that had those common interests because it was not prevalent in Yardley. It really wasn't. And especially the people that you found that did like this stuff were not Asian, which is not wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong in any way, but you didn't find that. There weren't a lot of people that were into that. So I felt like I was unique or I was definitely more, I was more closeted about it. I, like I definitely had more of a passion for these things, but I kind of bottled it up a little bit more and kept it for um, 
when I was in my own like space for my own private time, I would open up about those things. But um, yeah, so I think I looked for clubs that were based on those interests and with more people that um, liked them in the same way that I did. So freshman year of high school, I knew that I wanted to join um, the K-pop club. So at Penn State, there's a club called KPMD, the K-pop music and dance club. And I knew I found it over the summer. I went on Penn State's like club list and I looked at everything and wrote down all the clubs that I was interested in joining. And that one was at the top and I knew that I would join it and I was going to stay in it. And I found them um, freshman year at the involvement fair and signed up. And I noticed it was like way, it was a smaller club, of course, than like my graduating class in high school or my whole school district, but there was so much more diversity there than in any of my classes from high school. There are just people from all over the world, people from all over uh, the states and have different backgrounds from all of those different places. And for the first time I was around like Asian international students or more Asian students that were brought up in America by Asian families. And it was, and even though I was, I kind of was accustomed to that second group that I described, but I, the, I don't know, it's just the level of the amount of people that I met from those backgrounds was overwhelming to me, but in a good way, not a bad overwhelming. It was just like, wow, like I knew there were people like that, but I never thought I'd find myself in a group of people uh, from that background. And then it made me think about my own background more. And I wasn't ashamed of where I came from, but I remember yearning or really wishing that I was brought up in the same way that they were. I didn't wish my parents were different. It wasn't like I was disgracing or like disowning my um, upbringing, but I just wished for more. I just wish more happened, I guess, growing up. I wish my parents had sent me to Chinese school and I talked to my mom about it. She's like, you would have hated it. Like you would have hated it and you probably would have hated us. And I was like, I know, I know, but I just wish, I feel like I would have thanked you for it now. I just wish it happened anyway, because all of these different students, I mean, all together we would speak English, like they were not talking behind anyone's back, but like you would overhear sometimes with the international students that were more comfortable in their home language, which makes sense, but you'd hear Mandarin, um, Cantonese, Taiwanese, Korean. And I was just like, oh man, I wish I could really join in and understand. And I always say to this day, like when I hear Mandarin Chinese, I don't, I don't speak it and I don't understand it, but I consume a lot of media in that language. So I'm so like, oh, I feel like I know what's going on. I'm like, I think I know it. I feel like I, in my heart, I know what they're saying. I don't, but like, I feel it. So I had a lot of moments like that where I feel like, oh, I really resonate with this, but like I'm missing that one last like connection. And I kind of, I got to, I want to say, I don't want to say super dark, but I definitely reached a darker place freshman year, especially in the winter because you know the winter of like oh I'm missing this one thing and I brooded too much over what I was lacking and how I was different from these people rather than how I was similar to them and um I also just and then I also made friends with people outside of the club just people that I met in my dorm or just met in passing had dinner with at the different dining halls and they just happened to all be um just like just white students which is totally fine I'm not singling anybody or anything out but um I just found that I had fun with them I could talk to them about a bunch of different things because I grew around grew up around that type of community but I was also starting to realize after being with my friends in the k-pop club I was truly starting to realize that I couldn't or at least I felt I couldn't fully connect with these other students either these other friends that I made that just happened to be white I couldn't fully 
make it to, I was also missing some last connection there. I couldn't put my finger on it. I, I, I think I, I think I said it was, I had to do with my um, interests or upbringing or just my inherent, I don't wanna, this is such a weak word to use, but my inherent Asian-ness, if that makes sense. But I just felt like I couldn't fully connect with them either. So I really felt, and this is very angsty and I look back on it and I, and I wrote, I have, I keep like a journal on my laptop and I just write in it whenever I feel like it. And I wrote some things from freshman year and I went back and read them. I was like, oh my gosh, Leah, you are so angsty. Um, and I guess I still am to some degree cause I still do that. But I remember thinking, and I thought about this all the time. And if I could describe how I felt in one sentence or one word, this is probably what I would have said to you back then but I felt caught in the middle or like I could not, like there was one side of me here and one side of me here and I could not fully enter into either world. And I really wanted to be part of both of them, but I was just in the center and I could, and I, and a lot of people would be like, well, you could go between both of them. And that's, that's pretty unique and awesome. And I was like, no, you're right. And that's a great way to look at it. But at that time I was so focused on how I couldn't fully, fully connect with either of them, how there was still one thing I was missing or a couple things in each of them. And I was focused too much on that instead of the points where I could connect with both of them, which were many different things. And um, I think the way I got over it or the way that I started to move past this hump, which this is a really, I was surprised that this was the thing that did it for me, but um, in ninth grade, not ninth grade, sorry, freshman year um, in, RCL, which is the English class that we that I took in the second semester um, course of it, we had to write a speech on something we believe in called this I believe. I'm sure a lot of CAS or RCL students know exactly what I'm talking about, but basically it could be about anything that you believe in, just like a belief built into either an, something you've experienced or a memory or just like a strong passion that you have. It really, it, there were no bounds to what it could be. And I was going through this very difficult time in my life. I don't know if it's, I should rephrase that. I don't know if it was very difficult, but a different time in my life of what I just described to you that this was all happening at the time we were writing this speech. So I decided to write it about my identity because I knew that I had a lot of feelings about it right now, very raw emotions. I felt like I could write a good assignment. Well, I don't know if I could write a good assignment, but I knew I could write something that I resonated with, which sounded like the goals of the assignment. So I wrote it about my identity and I don't have the piece on me right now if you want it sometime I can send it over to you but basically I just wrote about how again how I felt like I couldn't fit into either side and uh one example that I specifically wrote in there so at the hub um you know how they always play movies they were playing crazy rich Asians one weekend and I went to see it with some of my friends we went to like three of the four showings. I don't know, I saw it multiple times that weekend, but I went and um, I walked in and I walked out thinking like, I realized like, wow, I really, I'm part of this world, not to be, not to bring a Disney reference in, but I'm part of this world, but I can't, I don't feel like I'm fully integrated into it. And like, just, I'm, it's kind of weird that a movie, like just that movie, it's fiction made me feel that way, but I guess it just culminated everything that I was already feeling. It brought it all together. So I wrote about in my, this, I believe how I don't, I just walked into that movie feeling like, oh, there was so much that I was missing that I wanted to be a part of and all of that. Um, but in the rest of this, the, this, I believe speech, it kind of ended with, it ended with my acceptance and ultimately, 
now, as you can tell, I've accepted like who I am and I'm totally fine with being in the middle and it doesn't bother me as much as it did anymore. But I just wrote about how it's lucky. Like I should take, I shouldn't take anything for granted and that I should be lucky to be able to be between both of these two different communities. And it sounds so much deeper when I'm explaining it to you now. I'm sure people are like, yeah, so what you, I fit into many different communities too. Like my home friends, my school friends, my family. And like, I, I have that kind of thing too. So I guess like, I don't know why I was making such a big deal about the Asian community and everybody else, but I guess I just, it really hit me freshman year. Cause like I said, in high school, middle school, never had to deal with something like that. Never thought about something like that. Um, but I, I think it was necessary and I don't like regret it. I do, I will say that I felt definitely more angsty and more in the dumps than I than I like I'm explaining right now. And maybe freshman Leah would have been like, no, you don't want to go through that again. But um, I'm glad it happened. I feel like it needed to, to get to where I am. And um, I feel just, I feel very confident in where I am situated now in both of those different communities. And um, yeah, I hope that answered your question. That was very lengthy. Feel free to like ask me more specifics if you want. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I also wrote my This I Believe speech about being adopted and like being stuck in the middle. But I love the positive spin that you had on it at the end that we're so fortunate to have two different cultures. I feel like a lot of people need to think about that a little bit more, especially when they are down in the dumps, because that's so valid. I think there's a lot of people who can relate in different ways, but race today is so prevalent and being caught in the middle between those two is something that I also struggled with. And I know that I talked to a few other adults these at Penn State about it and they felt almost the same way about being struggling or struggling in the middle of those two different areas and I, I love your passion about like diving into Asian culture not just Chinese but also Japanese Korean you're part of the k-pop club and I guess transitioning to today you're majoring in public relations which is how we met through our comm class but you're also looking at Japanese and Asian studies and I think there's, there's a lot of people who, when they come into this area of transition, they either neglect the Asian side or they neglect the white side. They feel like they have to pick one or the other. And I think you're doing a really amazing job at combining both of them. So what are some of the things that you've been learning in these majors that have helped you just in general learning about your passions, but also your identity? Oh, and I just want to say thank you um, for sharing that with me. I'm really glad I wasn't the only one that wrote my this, I believe on that. That's really like, that's nice to know. I don't know. It just, it shows me that it's not just something that I went through. It's something that everybody in the same, in a similar situation kind of experiences. Um, and yes, so I am a public relations major. Actually, I went into Penn State. So I knew that I wanted to um, learn Japanese or I love languages in general. In, in high school, I took French. We did, there were no Asian languages to take, but I would have if there were. But um, I always wanted to learn different languages. And down the road, I'm not ruling out Chinese in any way. I just started with other things. But um, I always wanted to learn Japanese um, since middle school. And because I'm so interested in, like I said, both the traditional and uh, pop culture in college at Penn State, I was the president of the Japanese traditional tea ceremony club for about a year and a half or a year. But so I got into that part of Japanese culture. Um, I've worn kimono before. I, I haven't visited Japan yet. I'm working on that. I was supposed to go last summer before 
everything. And I'm working on going again this summer with the same program. It was actually a Temple Temple uh, University in Philadelphia. They have a campus in Japan and a summer program that anybody from any accredited university can go to. So I applied to that and I got in, but like I said, that didn't happen, but I'm applying for the same program. So I'm hoping to go on that this summer. And then I'm also hoping to go on a Penn State sponsored trip um, in the future. So I always knew I wanted to learn Japanese. And now I also want to, I also, like I said, I also want to learn Chinese. I also want to learn Korean. And I figured learning one will definitely help learning the other two down the road. But I started learning Japanese or self-teaching myself as best as I could with lack of materials and lack of um, motivation from like not having peers learning it with me or not having an actual instructor. But I started in middle school and I continued very, very, very slowly throughout high school until college. So and I definitely think I didn't know enough to like skip out of any college course, but it definitely helped me with the first few units in my first course. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but yeah, so I started back in middle school and now I'm doing it in college. So I went into Penn State with a Japanese major, like that's what I wanted to do. And then I guess a part of my, another part of like my identity struggle or just the normal college struggle is people were always telling me like, what are you gonna do with that? Like, and, I, and honestly, I didn't really know at the time, I didn't want to be a translator for the rest of my life. There was more I definitely wanted to do. I'm not saying I wouldn't have done that in the beginning. I just knew I didn't want it to all boil down to that only. So, and, but they would always be like, what are you gonna do with that? Like, and then always throw that you're not gonna make any money in my face. And I, I know people are driven by um, money and I guess I am to a certain degree, but I didn't choose this major with being like, I need to make a lot of money. And I know this is gonna sound super cliche from any like different like book or movie that like you've seen, but I did it because it was something I wanted to do. It was a passion and interest and I was happy. And so that's that's ultimately why I did it. Like I, get, like I said, it's cliche, but that's why I did it. And um, my parents always said, you know, do what makes you happy. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter um, how much money you make. Of course, they wanted to make sure I could support myself and all of that, but yeah. So I went in with Japanese and then, but after people had told me that I realized, um, you know, I should um, add something else to like pair with it. Something that pairs nicely because the Japanese major um, pairs well with a lot of other majors. It's very doable as a double major. So I thought at first I wanted to do um, marketing or like economics. But then I realized like SMEAL is very difficult to get into and it's even harder when you didn't go into Penn State having it. So I was like, I guess like, we'll scrap that. So, but I knew I wanted to do something more in the business world. So that's why I thought marketing at first. But then I discovered communications and what communications come, like what it really meant as a major. And I found public relations, which is basically, in short, it's basically like marketing, but instead of marketing a single product or idea, you're marketing the whole business that you're promoting or the ideas of the business. Um, or you're making sure that the company has, a co whatever company you're working for is presented in a good light and takes care of the different issues like circulating around it. It's more of a speaking job, more of a people person thing, more of the human side of like a business. And I'm very much someone that likes to uh, work with people, um, talk in public. I mean, I'm doing this here now with you, but um, I knew that this was definitely like, if I was gonna find anything that I wanted to pair with it, that was a right fit 
this would be it. And then slowly after I joined the communications major, my ideas for Japanese and PR morphed into either working for a large multinational company in Japan or in America that has either countries like relations, such as like Google or YouTube or Apple or anything like that. So something kind of large scale like that, working within the communications team. So that's kind of where I am right now with my future career ideas. It's very brief and loose, but I do have an idea and I'm, I'm settled in that. I'm okay with that. I don't want to like tether myself down to anything too specific because I think change is necessary. And if my plans or ideas change, like that's, that's fine. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, but and like you said, I'm trying to, I talked about a little bit um, of an Asian studies major. So this might make me sound crazy, but typically a lot of people that I've met in the uh, Japanese department are double, double majoring with Asian studies. And I've just, I never thought about it, but I looked into it a little bit more and a lot of the classes overlap, which is why they double major in it. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of the classes overlap, so it wouldn't actually take me much to complete that major as well. So I might be adding a third major, we'll see. I just, I just have to see how many classes I actually do have to complete. If it's only a couple, then I might consider it um, because I, th I think it, it aligns with what I wanna do and it makes sense and I'm interested in it. It wouldn't just be, not necessarily just taking it to have another degree. I'm actually interested in the courses around it and then like maybe a future in furthering those studies or a career path that kind of aligns to that as well. Um, I think that answered your question though. No, that's really cool. And I love how you're combining both your passion and also <clears throat> a potential like career outlook as well. And how have you found that your identity has woven into all of these different areas of Asian studies that you're looking at right now? I think hmm, I, that's a good question. I haven't, I guess I haven't thought about it that in depth, but I, if I had to explain it, I think it just helps strengthen it or further it and keep me keeps me connected to it in a way or helps me it helps me remain or feel Asian in America as best as I can um with like if I can't visit you know if I can't actually go to Asia or visit it keeps me close to the culture and with its current events and what's happening and I enjoy actively feeling like I'm trying to connect with my culture or just Asian culture not necessarily Chinese culture, but like Asian culture in general. So I guess it just helps me feel like I'm try I'm consciously trying to do that, which not saying if people, if other adoptees out there aren't doing that, not saying you're wrong for doing that anyway, in any way, it's just something that I wanna do and I feel good about doing it. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I just love your passion about Asian culture and um, I guess touching on it briefly, so you're adopted from Wuhan and obviously this whole COVID situation arose out of Wuhan and I found with a lot of other adoptees that I've talked to who are from the Wuhan area, they've just been concerned about like their potential like birth family over there or just their identity, the way that Americans perceive them as like an adoptee because they don't really relate too much to the culture behind it all. So what's your perspective on that? I definitely was concerned for myself at first. Just, I knew that no one in America was gonna be able to tell that like you're from Wuhan. But of course I was slightly concerned going, especially places like just the grocery store, people giving me dirty looks or anything like that. No one really did, but I really was 
concerned that people were going to, or even possibly get violent. I wouldn't rule out anything today. So I was a little worried at first, especially in the very beginning of the pandemic when everybody was calling this the Chinese virus. I hate to say that, but when when it was framed that way and a lot of people saw it that way, I was very concerned of what that meant for myself and my other friends within the Asian community. And it wasn't just Chinese people because anyone that looked remotely Asian was being slightly attacked for it, not slightly, was being attacked for it. Um, that definitely, I noticed, has died down. A lot of concern has kind of washed away. And I think partially it is, not partially, but greatly is because of how bad America is doing in this situation, that it's really an American issue now. So I think they can't really place the blame on any one culture or group exactly, which, um, is good, but also bad. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I want America to suffer in any way. But um, yeah, I definitely noticed some not so nice sentiments in the beginning of everything. Um, I came, we all came home, as you know, for spring break. So I didn't get to actually see what it was like in state college at the beginning of it. A lot of my, some of my friends that did remain in state college because they have apartments did talk about how they were mistreated by the state college community for being Asian. And it was very disheartening and concerning. Um, I think they're doing fine now, but yeah, I did hear some stories that were not so good. Yeah, and do you ever wanna travel back? I know you're working on a trip to Japan as well, but um, for China at least, do you have any plans to return to Wuhan? I would love to. I think actually my China sisters and I are planning, I don't remember what birthday it's for. It might be our 24th. I'm not too sure, but are planning on going back. We would love to take a trip back. And then even if that doesn't happen, I would love to take a trip back anyway. I would love to travel Asia altogether really bad. I would love to travel anywhere actually right now, but um, yeah, I would love to go back and have definitely have interest. Not, I have been asked before by other people, believe it or not, like, Asian um, adoptees would just DM me and ask me about like my identity crisis in high school before I even had an identity crisis. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, um, but I'm doing okay. But thanks for checking in, I guess. It was always people I didn't really know. But anyway, um, they would always ask me like, do you have any desire to go find your birth parents? And my parents always asked me, my adopted parents always asked me the same thing. And not that I wasn't curious that I hope whoever they are. And if I have siblings as well, I hope everyone's doing fine. But I didn't have an interest. And it was not coming from a place of like hate, disdain or anything anything negative. It just was coming from a place of, I guess, to put it simply, just like acceptance. Just like, I hope, I hope that part of me is doing well too. And I hope they know I'm doing well as well, but I, I'm not, I'm not out there trying to look for them, search for them. Um, get answers as to why I was adopt put up for adoption or anything like that. Everyone has their own reasons for everything, sometimes dire situations, sometimes other things, and that's completely fine. So I, no, I never um, thought about finding them necessarily. I hope, like I said, I hope they're alive and well, but um, as of now, I'm pretty settled with who I am and who they are and where I am and where they are. Yeah. And I guess on that topic of birth parents and adoptive parents, if you could tell your adoptive parents or any parents out there looking into the adoption process, any tips or words of wisdom when it comes to adopting a child from another culture, um, what would that be? Like, what are some of the things that you wish either you know or your parents knew or any prospective adopted parents as well? 
I guess one big thing right now, because I'm even thinking about, I mean, this is way in the future, but I'm also thinking about possibly adopting. But I guess one thing would be like, don't treat them any differently than you would treat a child that you gave birth to because they're still like they'd still be your child don't don't treat them any differently like don't give them any special treatment I'm not even saying like of course don't treat any child negatively or anything like that but yeah if you have adopted children don't treat them differently from your um own children that you gave birth to if you also have those children as well because I think that can create different levels of like um that can, you know, throw someone into an identity crisis earlier on before they're ready for it, or one that's unnecessary. It can create um, difficult family relationships. So I just say treat all children, no matter where they're from, with the same compassion and love that you were treated growing up. And um, don't overthink it as well. I feel like I'm complicating things. Someone that is not a mother in any way, I'm trying to give like parent advice to perspective parents what what the heck am I saying what do I know but I guess just don't overthink it too terribly much because now I'm starting to overthink it myself but um I guess simply just be kind just be kind and loving to whoever whoever and who wherever they're from no matter what that's awesome I love those words of wisdom and to wrap it up, my final question is typically if you could tell any other adoptee who might be going through like an identity process or maybe even your freshman yourself, what are a few things that you wish you could tell them? It's really different for each person and what they like, like how they express their feelings or their angst or anything like that. One thing that really helped me is writing things down. Um, and it doesn't have to be beautiful language or writing. It doesn't have to be like an essay. It can literally just be bullets, words, single words. They don't even have to be full sentences. But I definitely always like jotted anything I was feeling down and I always I would always tell myself like I'm writing it down because I don't want to forget how I feel in this moment or how I felt I want to be able to remember and look back on it so that always helped me just like jotting things down like in a note on a phone or in a document whenever you feel like it or like if you don't have any paper like on your hand or something but just like writing things down was always helpful about whatever you're feeling in that moment it can also help it helped me like get a grasp on it better and look at it like actually physically look at it and put it into um like a category or kind of tear it rip it apart a little bit more that's always helpful um explore your interests like don't be ashamed of having an interest in anything as long as it doesn't like hurt anybody or anything like that but like if you like k-pop or anime or uh, tea ceremony or uh, Japanese art or Korean art, Chinese art or anything like that or any of the languages. And I'm only saying Japanese, Korean and Chinese, but any other Asian culture. I was only saying those because those are the ones that I'm interested in at the moment. But yeah, if you have interest in any Asian culture or anything for that matter, explore it more. And don't you don't have to try and get other people interested into it necessarily if you or anything like that. But I suggest trying to find other people with that interest without pushing that interest upon people, but find people in that interest, um, explore it within yourself a little bit more, become more knowledgeable about it. And if you already like something like that, then that'll be fun to you. Like that'll be second nature. So I guess just don't be afraid. Don't be closeted about your interest in that way. Um, I guess I was a little bit, like I said, in high school and middle school because I didn't find anyone with too many common interests. And I guess that's normal. That's just what happens when you don't find someone 
or as many people with that interest. But when you get into college or if you're living in a big city or you've made a move or you're in a, yeah, you're in a different location, try and search for the things that you're interested in and it'll help you feel more connected to that culture, or at least it helps me in that way. I love that perspective. Those are such beautiful words to wrap up with. Thank you so much, Leah, for coming on. Best of luck in semester two of Zoom University. May all of your Zoom classes go well and hopefully you don't have too many breakout rooms to participate in. Thank you, you too, Grace, especially with especially with you taking the same professor again. Good luck with that. Thank you, all right. Well, it was great talking with you. Um, is there anything else that you wanna add? I think that's everything. I guess just anyone listening, also good luck in the semester coming or wherever you are, if you're not in school right now, just good luck in 2021. Thank you so much, Leah, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And thank you to you, the listener, for sticking with me throughout these weird posting schedule, midterm, final excuses times. I am about to enter into another semester, but I'm hoping to be a little bit more on track with things, keep you in the loop if I can't upload something. I have a few interviews that are in the bank right now that I'm excited to share with you in the future. But thank you so much, Leah, for sharing your story and your positive outlook on Asian American identity and maybe someone who's also transitioning into college coming from a similar background could find this perspective really useful. I think if there's one thing that I've learned from talking to so many different adoptees, especially from Penn State as well, is that everyone has different upbringings, everyone has different perspectives on their Asian American identity. And at the end of the day, it's part of you. It's not something that you can necessarily shake off. So it's up to you to figure out how you want to approach that issue. Again, thank you, the listener, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I have some more interviews in the bank that I'm really excited to share with you. Until then, my name's Grace. This was Made in China-ish, the podcast. Have a great day.